think all of us are aware that there's uh, a lot of talking going on in our nation. There's a, there's a loud conversation, and I do believe that we should be part of that conversation. But one of the things that I've learned through the years, which I think is a really valid principle, it's the 80-20 rule, and I think many of you have probably heard about it. But in this conversation... And I'm going to focus, uh, keep us focused on reconciliation because I feel like that's the one thing in the conversation that we can do something about. Uh, I'm encouraging Matt Hennessy to come up with the, the vaccine. Uh, he had made much progress as I talked to him yesterday, but just want to encourage Matt to keep at that. Uh, I, I'm not sure that we can do much about unemployment other than to continue to be generous and to make sure that we as a church are saving and, and storing up and we're ready to help people when those, those needs begin to surface. So maybe the most immediate thing that we can really work on uh, day by day is reconciliation with, with our neighbors. But in that conversation about reconciliation, I, I want us to recognize that the people that get the press are either the 10% that are on the right side, which is not like the right side, but to the right, uh, right of center, that 10% or 10% that are to the left side of the conversation. So the radical fringes make the most noise. And when they make the most noise, they, they cause us to think that that's what the conversation is. And, and it's not. It's the 80% of the people that are in the middle that are, are trying to say something that needs to be heard, and there, there are changes that need to be made uh, in our way of life and in our system. And, and it's, not a, it's not a fanatical idea from the right or a fanatical idea from the left. It's, it's just regular, wholesome people that have a concern. We, well, we want to be in that conversation. And the reason we want to do that, it's exactly what... Um, Becca was saying the Bible really kind of guides us in, into all of life. And so there's a conversation about reconciliation, and the Bible has something to teach us. So we want to do reconciliation. And as I shared with you last week, we want to do it because participating in reconciliation pleases Jesus. Participation in reconciliation prepares us for the day that we stand before Jesus and he asks us, well, what did you do with the opportunity you had in 2020 to reconcile with your neighbor? And we can say, well, we did all that. We did this. We want to be able to give a good word on that day. And the last is, it's the love of Jesus, uh, our love for him and his love for us that, that propels us forward in the ministry of reconciliation. So this morning, I want us to begin to dig a little bit deeper into 2 Corinthians 5. And to recognize that the work of reconciliation begins from a focused center. Listen to these words of Paul. We are convinced that one has died for all. Therefore, all have died. And he died for all so that those who live might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised for them. The message says it this way, our firm decision is to work from this focused center. One man died for everyone, 
That puts everyone in the same boat. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. From those words, I believe the work of reconciliation begins from a focus center. That focus center is the cross of Jesus. Lenny, in a book called Dear Church, describes that focus center the first time he encountered it. Let me read you part of his story. Whenever I think of my first experience of the Lord's table, which would be an encounter with the cross, I get goosebumps. Reverend Tim stood at the communion table and declared, this is Jesus' table. He made no restrictions, and neither do we. I was smitten immediately. There's no membership meeting, no checking my theology, no friendly talk with the pastor before I approached the table of grace. I was welcome. This was revolutionary to me. You are everything I wanted, church. Unabashed, progressive in your theology, willing to proclaim it from the pulpit, no less. Your leaders were under the usual congregational siege, overworked, underpaid, unappreciated, but they weren't put on a deadly pedestal. They handled it all with a sense of grace I found edifying. Tears welled up in my eyes as I walked up the aisle. I mean, you loved me. You really loved me. This welcome to the table was something I'd never experienced before. I didn't even know what it was. It awakened the shadow side of my relationship with God that I hadn't had the courage to look under. It was like a knife that cut instantly through years of shame and brokenness and released me from those bonds. Grace is like a knife sometimes. In one sentence, you had done more for me than any church had ever done. I approached the table with my head held high and love in my heart. For the first time in my life, I wasn't filled with the fear that I was dragging to the communion rail everything that I'd ever done before. Of course, I still carried those things. But somehow, you welcomed me anyway. You showed me that my past didn't make me unworthy to receive the nearness of God and the elements I could stand before the table of grace, a whole person deeply flawed and still incredibly valued, homemade by a loving God. You loved me. I loved you. You loved me first, too. It was amazing to me that I didn't have to traverse an emotional, social, and theological minefield to get to you. There was a clear path. It was direct and wide open. I remember standing among these people who didn't look anything like me and thinking, I had never felt more at home. Reconciliation is a homecoming. Like the prodigal son returning to his ever-watching father, the son expected condemnation. He was willing to settle for a change of status from son and heir to a farm worker. But the tearful father was filled with love for a lost son being found. It was a time for celebration, not confession. Reconciliation denotes a transformation or a renewal 
of our relationship between God and humanity, it denotes incisive change, not merely in disposition or legal standing, but change in the totality of life. Reconciliation happens when a person is visited by the love of God and is thus awakened to love. Lenny was visited by the love of God and he awakened to love. The centered focus of reconciliation is the cross of Jesus. The central activity of the cross was one man dying for the sake of every single human being. As the message translates, the death of Jesus for the sake of everyone places everyone in the same boat. Absolutely everyone is in the same boat. There is no white boat, no black boat, no Hispanic boat, no Asian boat. There's one boat and we all are in the same boat. The boat is propelled by God's love for every human being. And God is rescuing people from the sea of living to oneself. The essential features of humanity's state prior to reconciliation is entanglement in a self-seeking which cannot fulfill the divine command of love. We're all in the same boat because we're all loved equally by God. God's love seeks to rescue us from our common downfall. Our common downfall is living to self, self-seeking. That self-seeking, that living to self disables us from loving God and loving other human beings. And finally, we're all in the same boat because there's only one who died for us so that we could stop living for ourselves and start living for him who died and rose for us. I want you to take a moment because this is a really great time of personal evaluation. We've all been in, in close quarters for quite a long time. And I would say within the, that quarantine setting that there may be moments that we realize I'm not living for the sake of the other, other human beings in my home. I'm expecting the other human beings to make me the focus. I'm living for myself in the midst of my family. Uh, we all uh, are pretty self-centered. We all want to be served rather than to serve. So I want to ask you, is that, is, that, is that what you've been living in these months? Because if you have, that's the sea out of which God wants to rescue us. Have you ever asked him to save you from yourself? We're our own worst enemy. We serve ourselves. We make ourselves a God. We serve ourselves. God save us from ourself. And when we serve self, we can't love God and we can't love our family. We can't love our neighbors. We surely can't begin to cross over the barriers that are put in our way to love those that are different from us. The boat is propelled by God's love. God loves us in spite of our fallen state our self-centeredness. Jesus died for all so that those who, who live 
might live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and was raised from them, for them. So, are you, I mean, do you want to lay that aside? I mean, this would be a good morning to say, Lord, I, I want to begin to live a different way. I want to stop living for myself. I want to start living for others because I'm living for the sake of him who died and was raised for me. Reconciliation begins from that focus center. The cross of Jesus is that focus centered. Reconciliation begins to happen when we're drawn to the cross by God loving us. And we mysteriously mysteriously die with Jesus. We die to living for self. And we begin to live, like really live, for the one who died for us and was raised for us. The cross of Jesus can never be separated from the resurrection. In Jesus, there is both death and life. There's never one without the other. He included everyone in his death so that everyone could also be included in his life, a resurrection life, a far better life than people ever lived on their own. All who are included in his death are included in his life. A resurrection life, resurrection life that is far better than we could ever live on our own. Living a far better resurrection life is a life working toward reconciliation in all things. Now as we live, we accumulate pluses and minuses in life experiences. Think of a plus as a deposit in your bank account and a minus as a debit from that account. Each month we receive a statement from our bank and the hope is that we'll reconcile our account. Uh, it would be fun to be together and, and just see the expression on your face. Like, a what? We're, we, we do what with our account? I don't, I don't know how many of us reconcile our... I don't, I don't know how many of us even like look at a statement from a bank anymore. So this may just like be an over, you know, a lost analogy. But dig it out. It's all there. So when life is full of deposits, we're living in the far better life drawing from the resurrection life of Jesus. So I began to think about, you know, what are, the, what are the recent deposits into my account? So here's a few of mine. Think about what you're depositing into your life account. Uh, we remain healthy, and it's a pandemic time. We remain employed in a time of unprecedented unemployment. I, I know we're working toward reconciliation with all of our neighbors in this, in this season of racial unrest. We want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And then, you know, for me, every week I'm reminded that, that I'm part of a community leadership team that's working together, that's sharing the load of our online services and caring for our community. That's a huge deposit into my life. So what about your, what's being deposited into your account? And what do you do when there's deposits? Well, I celebrate. I thank God for his mercy. I tell others of how grateful I am. And I wish life was just deposits that resulted in celebration and thankfulness and gratitude. But life is not all deposits. There's also debits from life. 
those debits sometimes are greater when we try to live life to ourselves on our own terms. Uh, what are your recent debits? Here are a few of mine. And if it wasn't enough to be in a pandemic, it wasn't enough to be in an economic downturn and record unemployment, it wasn't enough to be in a season of, of racial unrest. Added to that, I have three close friends who've been diagnosed recently with cancer. They're in varying stages of chemo and radiation treatment. Another friend has just begun a battle with ALS. Three of my friends are unemployed. Two are finding their way forward. The third hasn't had a breakthrough yet. We live in a community where a potentially deadly virus is filling our hospital with really sick people. And right now there doesn't seem to be an end in sight. We're back where we began in March. And then we continue to live at distance. And, and, you know, we're a community of people following Jesus that thrive on being together, in person, touching one. Or we're, we're, we're a hands-on ministry. Well, that's a debit not to experience that. Well, with, with those debits and those deposits, I've got to reconcile my life. And I have to reconcile it with the cross and the resurrection on a regular basis. From the cross, we receive love, forgiveness, and healing for all of life's pain. From the resurrection, we receive life, hope, and power to persevere. As we are reconciled, we have the opportunity to invite others into the reconciliation of the cross and the resurrection with us. Please notice reconciliation is a process. It takes work. It takes time. But as we are reconciled, we can invite others into that reconciliation with us. We do not need to wait for reconciliation to be complete before sharing it with others. Matter of fact, you know, we can start right now. So I want to take us through a short practice of reconciliation. So let me invite the Holy Spirit, and then let me guide you through how do, how do we begin to do this work of reconciliation from the focus center of the cross. Come, Holy Spirit. The Word of God teaches us that reconciliation begins with a central focus. That central focus is the cross. Take a moment. Focus. Put your mind's eye on the cross of Jesus. As you see Jesus on the cross, remember, he is demonstrating, he's demonstrating God's love for us in his death. The cross is a demonstration of God's love for us.
as Jesus dies, he invites us to mysteriously die with him, to let living to self die with him. Let living to self die. Send the old living to self life to the tomb with Jesus. Experience resurrection. The raising to a new life. As Jesus is raised, commit to living for him. He and only he died for us. And he only he was raised for us. Commit to a reconciling, a reconciling life this week by keeping the focus on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Finally, ask God for a new friend who is totally unlike you and begin the journey of reconciliation together. Reconciliation the work of reconciliation begins from a focused center, the cross. May we put that to work this week. Amen.